Welcome to the How Do I Get That Job podcast, episode 10. I am here with Miles Biggs. Miles, do you mind introducing yourself, telling the people who you are, what you do, and where you're at? My name is Miles Biggs. Uh, what I do is a bit twofold. Tonight, we'll talk about my day job, where I'm the general manager of Ritzcraft Homes. That is a modular home manufacturer located here in central Pennsylvania. And in the evenings, I'm building my own company. It's called Relish the Journey. It's a podcast and kind of evolving into a media company of sorts. So, so it keeps me busy. Awesome. I'm getting a lot of people from PA, man. This is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and congrats on 10 episodes, by the way. That's big, making it to double digits. That's, thank that's you. That's exciting. Yeah, uh, it's real nice. It's, it's kind of a... It's a special moment, I think, because I think you have like the first one, right? That's really nice. And then you do the fifth one. And you're like, all right, I can keep this going. But the 10th, then you're like, all right, this is a thing that's going to happen now. I'm doing sure. this every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, what is your schedule? Do you have a specific launch schedule for Relish the Journey? Uh, no, I probably should. I, I do this very unconventionally where as a consumer, I don't really – I don't say, ooh, it's Wednesday. You know, my new podcast is coming out. I subscribe and when I get the push notification, I'll listen to it. So okay. I put the content out when I need to around the guests, you know, schedule. Or, you know, if I'm looking at the analytics and I'm starting to see the, the listenership sort of die off and a content arc fading, then I know it's time to inject with something new. I shoot for at least once a week. Sometimes I get two in a week. So the podcast you've been doing for the last year, right? Yeah, it launched Friday the 13th in April of 2018. And that just proves I believe in making my own luck. That's what I say to everybody when they make that weird face. Uh, I did that on purpose because I had 12 episodes recorded before I went live. And I just said, wow, why not? Let's do Friday the 13th. Let's <laughs> be funny about it. So, awesome. yeah, it's been a year. It's been a fun year, man. It's met a lot of very interesting people, learned a lot about a lot of different topics because it's not just a podcast about one thing or another, you know, it's the fact that I believe every person has a story to tell and that we can all learn something from it. So it's people's journey in, in business. It's their journey personally. It's their journey, you know, in, in adoption or in uh, marriage or failed marriages, even I've talked about. So it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I only keeps listen, it fresh. I only listened to a couple of your episodes, but I mean, you had, uh, her stories in construction. You had a guy that has a creative space uh, up in like the Lycoming area, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I, I think it's really great that you have a spotlight for people to tell their stories, and it's a lot of what I do too. So my goal is to have people tell their stories so that they can educate the next generation of people that want to have a similar story. So let's start at the beginning of your story, right? Um, you can tell me about your childhood if you want to, but the thing I really want to know about <laughs> sure. is who you were in high school. You know, what kind of student were you? What were you interested in studying? And how did that translate into uh, your next level of education, whether that's college or trade school or, or what have you? Sure. So I was a smart kid. You know, I was in all honors programs or AP classes in um, elementary school. I was in what they called it, like enrichment or just you know, I, I had an IEP growing up, so I was always given extra attention because apparently I needed it. <laughs> uh, so in high school, I was what I'd call sort of a disenfranchised student. I just didn't want to be there. 
Okay. I'm the type of student where if I don't feel like I'm getting a value of the topic or if I'm ever going to use it again, then I don't want to be there. So I was a teacher's dream, as you can imagine, dealing with that, you know, <laughs> uh, smart kid who thinks he's too smart, really. So I was into sports and music. I did choir and marching band and I swam on the swim team. Um, and as far as classes went, it was all honors and AP. So it was the typical high school curriculum. And then anytime I had any sort of elective that I could take, uh, they were business leaning. I took, you know, entrepreneurship as a class and certain things like that in high school. And then that led me to college where my high school was, was huge. My graduating class was over 700 kids. And wow. when I, so when I went to college, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be a number at, anymore. And I saw people on my high school graduation day that I'd never seen before in my entire life. <laughs> we were supposed to have come up together and you're looking at them. It's like, who are you? You know, it was just weird. So didn't want that in college. So I ended up at like Homing college in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. If people don't know where that is, that is the home of the little league baseball world series. Pretty much all people know about it. Uh, so you see it on TV every summer there, with the little league plan. So LACO has 1,400 undergraduate students. I went there and studied corporate communications with minors in business and sociology. Sociology? So, uh, what made you pick that? Uh, my wife was a sociology major, girlfriend at the time. And so if I wanted to spend time with her, I ended up in a bunch of social classes. <laughs> and then I uh, found it just interesting, really, and ended up with a minor in it. And it's really proved very useful in business or in podcasting, right? It's no matter what you do, it's, it's about people. It's, I would say that at work, right? We're not in the business of building homes. We're in the people business, yeah. whether it's people as your employees or your people as your customers or people, your customers, customers, understanding people cannot take you in the wrong direction ever. So it's worked out. Can you give a, a quick description of what sociology is? I forget the initial term. I really think it legitimately is the study of people is what it translates to. Mm -hmm. And so some of my classes were, you know, sociology of gender. So it's breaking down what are the gender biases that we have and how does that alive and well in society and how do you question that? Or there was one about the military industrial complex or about the family. And it really is the study of if psychology is like the mind, I would say sociology is more of society and why it is the way it is and how we've built these construct or constructs around certain things. And then how you really, it's liberal art school, right? So it's how you question everything yeah. and sort of prove your argument, which I like too, is that disenfranchised student to be able to just argue in a class and have it work and get an A was fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like that stuff. I love my anthropology class for the same reason. Yeah. Communications, business communication. Uh, were you doing a lot of content writing or was it more about media broadcasting when students hear sure. communications, they hear certain things and I don't know if they necessarily know what that means. Yeah. So believe it or not, I'm going to feel old, right? Like I started college in 2008 and I went to school with a flip phone, you know, <laughs> smartphones weren't really a huge thing then. Yeah, I remember going razor. Yeah, I remember going to events and actually having to carry a digital camera separately. So <laughs> it wasn't so much of social media marketing and content creation as it is now. It was a lot of the written word. I had a job on campus for the college magazine, 
writing press releases, taking photos, covering events, and writing stories about it that they'd use for the magazine or for the website. I was the assistant manager of the student-run radio station. So it was doing, you know, it was a local station and you'd cycle through blocks of time and you could have your own radio show. And so we did that. And now there's a whole, a much larger digital communications department there where they're doing all sorts of filmmaking and photography. And I'm sure they've got a lot of digital stuff that just wasn't there when I was a student. So yeah, more, more written. I, I was a copywriter in, in my marketing background before I rose the, the management letter, did a lot of ladder, did a lot of the writing. Awesome. So you have, you know, these two minors, this degree, how did you pick those things when you first got to school? Did you transfer into those majors or is that what you picked up at right as soon as you walked in the door? Uh, no, I saw you started undecided. Yeah, I had some sort of an idea, but it's part of why you go to liberal arts school, right? Is you take a bunch of distribution classes and see what, what tickles your fancy. And I was always business leaning. I always saw myself as a creative person. You know, I was in a, a rock band in high school and uh, found myself. Uh, I, I was a singer, actually. Nice. And fumbled my way through the bass guitar quite terribly. <laughs> but so that was the creative element to it. And then, you know, we designed our own cover art for the CDs. You know, we we're hustling and selling to our friends. We we're I was doing all the promoting and booking us gigs. So it was always very entrepreneurial minded. So I was leaning towards business. And funny enough now, because my day job as a general manager running a company, there's a lot that has to do with numbers. Mm -hmm. What landed me on corporate communications over a traditional business degree is I only had to take one accounting class. <laughs> and that was one of the main differences was business majors had to take two accounting classes. And me being that student that questioned things, ah, I'm going to be in marketing. I'm not going to need accounting. Why do I need to take two classes, right? So I didn't. And I focused more on the marketing side and on the communication side and less on the finance side. Took a few classes, but wasn't very intensive. And the social thing, chasing a girl, which ended up working in my favor too. So, Congrats, uh, yeah. So that's really why it was no real reason other than me, me being me thinking I was smarter than I was <laughs> really, I should have just sucked it up and taken those accounting classes. So it's hurting you now that you didn't do it or, or are you kind of learning on the fly now? Yeah. Not so much hurting just because you never really, the most successful people never stop learning. So it's just, yeah, I had to go out and get more, you know, I had to go, I took some online courses through the Warren school of business, did a certificate program with finance and accounting and, you know, go on YouTube, Google stuff, talk to people that are in accounting and, you know, I'm not an accountant. I don't need to know everything, but I need to know enough to understand and question people in accounting to make sure things are what they need to be, you know, and think outside the box a little bit. Sometimes that helps. Yep. If you get stuck in that accounting mindset and you're staying in accounting all the time, you know, me coming in from a more creative mindset, I'm asking different questions than they're used to and can, you know, uncover some things that they might not have thought of. So, and I think you just brought up a really interesting point about business majors as a spectrum, right? So, I mean, I was international business and marketing, uh, so I was always that people person, you know, just like you, I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to write things. I wanted to be a little more creative, but when people hear business, they're like, Oh, finance, banking, management, you know, all these numbers driven type things, you know, all those majors sure. are a spectrum. You know, you can do finance and economics if you love math and want to do calculus, yep. um, or you can be on the marketing side of things and learning more about psychology and how the human mind works. 
right? And really, anybody that's in the man that ends up in management. Looking back now, I think it's a little bit interesting how you can major in management because I feel like the best managers have the best life experiences and you're not going to get that out of a book in a major, right? So if you really want to manage people, you should focus on a discipline that you can master and then more of the human element, like I said, the sociology, the anthropology, like you said, the psychology, because you can get very good at a technical skill, but once you get promoted to a management position – you're not the person doing that technical skill anymore. You're overseeing the people doing that technical skill. And you see that a lot where the best performers get promoted into management positions. Well, they're the best at it. They must be really great at teaching other people how to do it. But that's not always the case because yeah. they're not used to being in that people business. They're used to being in the getting things done business, not coaching others to get things done. So it's a bit of a, I don't think it's talked about enough when people are talking about business. Like you said, it's, it is more of the te- than the textbook disciplines. That's how do you apply it? And people graduate with these college degrees and feel like they should walk into a management position, but they don't really know anything yet. They think they do, you know, that they might have a good GPA, but they haven't done anything with it yet that really warrants them leading the team. It's really interesting that you bring that up because I had been given very similar advice. Uh, my grandfather, he was a salesman his entire life, but he went up the ranks and was, you know, manager, district manager, general manager, you know, working his way all the way up. And he basically said, you know, you can smell, you can sell snow to the Eskimos, but if you don't know how to manage people, you're going to flounder in a management position. So he gave me the advice oh, yeah. of leadership positions in clubs and sports and things like that to get the experience of being in charge of other people. Did you ever have those experiences in school? Absolutely. Um, so I mentioned I was assistant manager of a radio station. I had been captain of the swim team. I was president of my fraternity. I held some student government positions, some leadership positions on the inner fraternity council with all the other fraternities. Um, you know, I had that job on campus I had a job out off campus, you know, so definitely had a lot of those positions. And I agree with that, but even that, right? So I'm 29. I graduated college in 2012. Mm-hmm. I manage people that are my parents' age. Mm-hmm. No sports team you're captain of gives you that, yeah. right? Like you can manage your peers, but what do you have to do when you have to fire someone that's been at the company longer than you've been alive? Yeah right? Like nothing prepares you for that other than the hard knocks of the real world, you know? So that definitely helps being the captain of a sports team and things like that, but getting out there in it, there's no replacement for that. Nothing at all. Yeah. I mean, I always talk about practical experience and that's a perfect example right there. You know, you think you can train and prep and read books all about things and, and, but at the end of the day, you know, there's always going to be something blind signs you, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have to keep reading those books and taking classes. Cause like I said, I started college with a flip phone and now look at what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, if you don't keep up with that, you become a dinosaur quickly. It doesn't matter that I'm 29. If I was out of touch, I might as well be 75. You know, you have to keep growing what you learned, you know, 10 years ago, it's, it's not the same world today. So you have to keep growing in your profession, whether it's the business of people or it's the business of marketing or finance or anything, you know? So Yeah. You went to school, you did all these things, you're still learning today. How yep. did you get the job that you have now? 
Sure. Um, I asked for it. <laughs> so that would be my advice, right? When I was working at the college uh, magazine, like I talked about before, um, the business um, business group, business school had a speaker series. And one of the speakers happened to be the CEO of the company that I work for. And I was assigned his speech to for my job. I had to cover his speech, interview him, write an article, get him to approve the article. We publish it. So pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I attended his speech and I just loved everything he had to say. You know, it's a housing company, right? So it's similar to, you know, you're not in business, you're in the people business, right? You're not just building a home. This is the American dream of home ownership. This is the place where you're going to put your baby to sleep at night, where you're celebrating Thanksgiving, where the Christmas tree is going up, where you're going to laugh, you're going to cry. That's what you're building. And I love that. I thought, thought that was great. And so when I wrapped up the story and gave it to him to prove, I also sent him a copy of my resume and said, here's a story. Here's my resume. I want to work for you. You know, do you have any internship opportunities? And I was 19 at the time. I was a sophomore. And so he took me out as an intern full-time in the summer. I moved out into a, a little apartment, which was like another life experience, right? There's one thing moving into a dorm, but how do I have to find a place to live now? A short-term rental, a lease, you know, bills. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole nother thing. Did that for a summer and I was going back to my dorm room and they said, hey, you know, will you still stay on for some remote projects? So I said, absolutely. So I was doing stuff. People are out partying and stuff. And I'm in the library on a Friday night working, tracking my hours and keep my foot in the door. Then that summer again, I worked full time. And that was after my junior year. Then went back for my senior year, worked from the dorm again, and then graduated. And I had a full time job offer pretty much going into my senior year with this company. And so I didn't have to worry about what am I doing with my life after college. (laughs) My senior year, I could actually just exhale and enjoy the fact that I was still in this little bubble that is college. Lucky you. Yeah. So started started full time as a marketing assistant and worked my way up the marketing department to assistant director of marketing, then to marketing director. And then the general manager position opened up and I've been doing that for about two and a half years. So the reason I say lucky you is because on your podcast, I was just a guest and I explained that I had a crisis that a lot of my friends had a lot of people that I've met uh, since graduation have told me that they had uh, where senior year, you're like, whoa, what am I doing with my life? I just spent four years and tens of thousands of dollars on this thing. What am I going to do? So that's really incredible that you kind of knew from 19 years old that this is what you were going to go for. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, I could have, I went on a couple of interviews, but still landed in this place because, I mean, I could have made the move to the city, right? And tried to do what everybody does, work at a big Fortune 100 company and be a cog in the wheel. But just like for the same reason, you know, I didn't want to be a cog in the wheel in college. I didn't want that in work either. So Ritzcraft is a family owned company. It's two brothers that own it. And it's a relatively flat organization that's vertically integrated to be in a lot of different industries. So my time in marketing, I worked on houses. I worked on an airport in airplanes. I worked in transportation, in cabinets, in building products, in B2B sales, B2C sales. We started a brewery, restaurant, and an event facility that I did all the marketing for. Um, Yeah. So no 20-something is going to get to do all of those things. I don't care what big company you work for. So that's what 
got me to stay in central Pennsylvania with a cornfield from my backyard, you know, is because <laughs> I knew it's either going to work out. And like you had said on my podcast, you've been there for three years or 30. You know, I think it's similar with where I'm at. And it's either going to work out or I'll have a great resume that I can go do whatever the heck I want to do. So, yeah, um, I stayed and it, it's worked out really well. So how did I get it really is you just ask for it. So as people listen to this podcast, say, how do I get that job? So really what I'd say is how do you get any job is you ask, you know, you get an internship, you offer to shadow somebody and work for free for a summer or a year or whatever it takes. If it's something you're really passionate about and want to do, you just have to get your foot in the door yep. because people will say, you know, it's all about who, you know, and it is like, I'm not going to say yep. it's not what you know is important, who, you know, gets you in the door and what, you know, keeps you there. But unless you can get in the door, it doesn't matter what you know. So that's how I got the job, man. I just asked. And then I, I, you know, went to work and put my head down and busted my butt for a long time to get to where I am right now. Yeah. And I, you know, I love how people say that it, it's what you know that gets you, you know, it's who you know that gets your foot in the door. It's what you know that keeps you there. But I think there's a third part there. And I, I, you spoke about it earlier. You know, it's what you're willing to learn that helps you grow there. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If people think that there's ever, like you ever have made it, you know, and you can exhale, you haven't made it, you know, and you're not going to have made it for very long because somebody's going to come up behind you and steal your lunch. You know, it's, I was an athlete, right? So I was a swimmer. I swam distance freestyle. My event was 66 laps long. It was the mile freestyle. If I, if I swam one really good mile and then stopped practicing, someone else is practicing. Someone else is yeah. getting faster as I'm getting slower. And it's the same thing in business. If you're not constantly growing and learning and feeding your mind, coming up with new ideas and expanding your circle and trying new things, somebody else is. If you're not working... 80 hours, someone else is, they're getting two weeks to year one. You know, it's, it gets all in moderation because you don't want to burn out, but there's people out there that are putting in the work. And so, yeah, it's definitely a third thing who, you know, gets in the door, what, you know, keeps you there. And then what you're willing to do will make sure you stay there and someone else doesn't sit in your seat. Yeah. It's wow. And I just, I'm really envious. I'm still kind of trying to pull myself together from the fact that you had a job basically <laughs> from 19 years old. I'm super jealous yeah. of that. Um, but let's talk about the podcast because that seems like something you're you're creating on your own. This isn't something that you're doing yeah. for Ritzcraft, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a time in my life, again, I have some crazy stories when I think about it. But so, like I said, I was creative. I'm, I'll paint you a picture, right? So... I was doing all this. I was, I worked my way up in the company and it was 2017 and there was uh, a house that was coming up for sale. Really? It's, it's, people that don't modular homes, you might be thinking trailer because that's what a lot of people think that it's a trailer, but it's really not. I mean, these are homes that are built inside a controlled environment with the same sticks and bricks that are built on site. It's just, we can control the environment. If it's raining outside, it's not raining where I'm building. I'm always, it's always sunny in 75 inside my factory. Right. So just like you wouldn't have the parts to your car shipped to your driveway and put together in front of your house when it's snowing and raining, why would you build your house that way? Right. Yeah. So I'm just giving that context. Cause what I'm about to say might sound weird, but we had a model home that we were selling. And so I took this model home apart back to modules and then reassembled it and was building a house uh, closer to work as a, a move up home for my family. So 
when I, when I think about, you know, tearing a house down to put it back together again. That's what I was in the middle of doing in 2017. And I was in the middle of securing that deal and buying the land and the house when I found out that my wife was pregnant. And oh, so that was exciting. Yeah. So, but now I'm eight months pregnant. Or I'm eight months pregnant. My wife's eight months pregnant and we're going through that together. And I've sold one house. I'm building another one and I'm not done with the one I'm building when I sell my other one. So now we're in a one bedroom apartment surrounded by all of our stuff with our dog and a growing baby bump as we're waiting to finish the house. So I spent a lot of time walking the dog, spent a lot of time. We didn't have TV or internet, uh, listening to podcasts. That's where I really fell in love with podcasts because it was my real sole source of content and of media. Um, so I got hooked on podcasts and just started thinking, you know what, if these other people can do it, I can do it too. You know, there's no reason why, you know, I can't be like Tony Robbins one day, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm listening to this guy. He started out like an average guy like me, you know? So mm -hmm. I felt like there was this gap where I was listening to, you know, these millionaires who were interviewing their millionaire friends about what it's like to be millionaires. And they're offering advice to people like me, but they didn't just sell their house or building one and have an oh, eight month pregnant wife in a one bedroom apartment. Like that's not the guy I'm listening to. Yeah. But I was like, I can be that guy. There's other people out there like me that want to hear this kind of stuff. They want to hear my story. And that's where relish the journey came into is I have a story, but everyone's got a story and you pass on the street has something they're going through yeah. that we can all benefit from and learn from. And it goes back to always learning and growing, right? I can read a book. I can listen to podcasts or I can create that content. And I've just, I've gotten, you know, 10 X the value of being the guy having the conversation for myself versus listening to it back for somebody else. So it's been an awesome project about a year in and it's really started to cross over into work, even though it's separate and it's my, you know, side hustle, as they say, uh, I just recently spoke at the international builder show about how to start a podcast, which was the first time the you know the podcast crossed over into my main job. And I liken it to when people find out you play golf and they also like golf, right? They invite you to play nine holes. Well, everybody's liking podcasts these days. So most people have a podcast idea, but they're not quite sure how to do it. Or they just think it's really neat that you've taken the initiative to actually create something. They, the conversation starts about that and then it ends up talking about work or something, you know? So it's been neat to see how the two worlds have started to collide. For sure. So you, I'm trying to remember that episode was what in the forties or the fifties? Yeah, that was 53. I believe I, I just spoke out there in February was when the show was. So you did 52, 53 different episodes before ever touching the business that you've been a part of since you were 19 years old. How do you find people to interview? Sure. That's a great, that's a great question. Uh, and I did that on purpose, right? I, I didn't want it to seem like I was just trying to use the business for personal gain, mm -hmm. right? So I sort of let it happen organically, but I started with family and friends. I mean, the first 20 episodes are my cousins, my sisters, the, the guys that are the best men at my wedding, fraternity brothers, you know, things like that. And then what started to happen was someone would say, hey, I know somebody you should talk to. And I'd never met that person or they're a friend of a friend and I just loosely knew them, but didn't quite know their whole story. And then it turns into 
me putting it out there and saying, hey, email me if you want to be on the show or getting contact, uh, contact via direct messages, right? About, yeah. hey, I like what you're doing. And then I just started getting more confident and being the guy making the ask, right? So yeah. people talk about elevator pitches. I just think we should be talking about what's your DM, right? Instead of what's your elevator pitch. You don't find yourselves in an elevator all that often, but you can put yourself in a direct message at any moment in the day and you better be prepared for it because you and I met people. Yeah. People get a lot of that stuff. So it's just, how do you position your, this position yourself to succinctly talk about what you want to do and talk about the value you can bring to somebody else. And they will respond every time if they feel like you're being sincere and they're really not out for it for a whole lot of gain other than, a conversation to pick the brain and you're giving them the opportunity to get something out of it. Everybody's selfish, right? So if you can let somebody talk about themselves for an hour, right? Look at me. I've been, I can't shut up. I keep going. So everybody loves to do it. And it's a great way to, you know, just to get in the room with people you'd never be able to get in the room with before. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I I'm doing this because obviously I want to educate people on what different types of jobs are out there, how you can get them, uh, you know, I love the fact that you're talking about hustling and, you know, doing things at 19 and then moving that into something else. But, you know, at the end of the day, people just need to know these stories and it's it, people love to talk about themselves. You're absolutely right. This is Absolutely. And so it's neat. It's it's really I feel like people realize stuff about themselves every time, which is really neat. You know, they kind of sort of sort of have an epiphany sometimes when you, you ask them a question about their life. Like the one I asked you about, describe it in three words. Yeah. I asked that to everybody. And even if people listen to the show and know it's coming, they're always like, Oh man, like, what is it? <laughs> and to me, I think that's part of it too. Right. It's so, you know, just frame it back into what your, what your podcast is. How do you get this job? How do you get any job? You get it by knowing who you are. Right before you can bring value to any organization or any any job, you have to be very comfortable with who you are, what you believe, what you're passionate about, what you are and are not willing to do. Yeah. And if until you figure that out, you're not going to be as successful as you are. So, I've gotten tremendous benefit from it, like I said, because it's really helped me reaffirm that for myself, and I'm a better employee for it, I'm a better boss for it. Um, than I was before. So it's, it's definitely something where, like you said, you have to, like you, when you make people think, right. It's, that's something everybody should be doing is really think consciously about what it is that they're trying to do. Because if it's not for the right reasons, it's going to show yeah. and it's going to be short lived. You ever hear, it just kind of made me think of, uh, I don't necessarily like what he's been saying lately. Uh, but have you heard of Simon Sinek? Yeah, start with why. I read that book. That's a great book. Yeah, I love that book. I love. I saw his like little TED Talk thing. That was how I first got introduced to it. But you know, what is what you're doing? How is the mechanics? And why is why you show up to work every day? And I think yeah. too many people don't think about that. What are yeah. some tips that you might have? I mean, you've heard. By the time this releases, what over sixty different people's stories. Absolutely. Yep. Generalizing here, picking up things from other people. How do people realize why they come to work every day? Why they pick the college major that they did? Why they get up and go and, and spend 50, 60, 70, 100 hours a week at a job? 
why do they do it? Well, I think most people would say they still don't know why. <laughs> and okay. Or the why is I have bills to pay or a family to support or so-and-so said I have to, right? It's not really inspirational ones. And it's twofold, right? I think there's nothing wrong with any of those. First off, like those are all valid reasons why. It doesn't need to be some grandiose world-changing reason, right, for your job. But you can still find that passion outside your profession by doing what we're doing now, for example, right? So you can still fulfill a personal why even if you're not uber fulfilled by your professional why. Uh, there can be a means to the end, right? But yeah. the people that are the, the most fulfilled that have found some way to, you know, to forge their passion into the profession – why they do it and what they say, it's, it's really because they can't imagine doing anything else, right? Is there a why? It's like <clears throat> once, you, once you have that level of self-awareness and you understand really what you feel like your purpose is, nothing gets in the way of that because you just live, you live it. It's not even a job anymore. It's not a side hustle or a main hustle or a hobby. It's, it's a lifestyle. And once you can find that lifestyle and you can get paid to do it, it's really, that's awesome. And not many people can do that. So I think that answers your question. I mean, it's yeah. not a, there's no secret sauce. I wish there was, I could boil out some magical tidbit to share with everyone and say, here's the silver bullet. But I think people need to hear more of that honest, that brutal honesty that there is no silver bullet. You're going to fail a lot of times. You're going to do stuff you hate. You're going to do stuff you love. You're going to let stuff you love slip away because of the the bills or the the boss that made you stay late or whatever. But I think the important thing to realize is that you can always rediscover your why or find a different why. Your why can change, and that's okay. Just because you majored in criminal psychology doesn't mean you need to do that. You know, yeah. you can go back to school. You can go on YouTube University and get your master's degree in whatever the heck you want to get your master's degree in, man. It's education doesn't have to come with a degree. It's life experience. It's drive. It's grit. It's grind. It's hustle. It's all those key words you want to say. But most of all, it's that mindset that if you truly believe you won't be stopped and you can't be stopped, then you won't be stopped. But if you, you give into that or you shrug your shoulders and say, it'll never happen, then it absolutely never will. So, we're coming up towards the end of our time here. I want to respect your time uh, because it is kind of late. We already did your my my episode on your podcast first, and now your episode on my podcast. Uh, so it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, just like you have that final question, I have my final question. So you can talk about whether it's the job that you have with Ritz Craft, about Relish the Journey, what maybe it's something just about life in general, but what is some last minute wisdom you want to pass on to the next generation? Wow. That's a great question. Last minute, huh? So you're putting a timeline on me. You know, people like talking about themselves. We've, we've mentioned that before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think generation, and that's big. And I, I frame that now is I mentioned my wife was eight months pregnant. That was, you know, in 2017. So I have a son who was 15 months. And I think about this stuff all the time. It's pretty heavy being a parent as you think about this kind of stuff all the time. So what I, wisdom I would want to leave him, I just said, is that 
I mentioned I'd have been a disenfranchised student before, right? And so it's, I think it's hard to not fit into the mold. People, we get conditioned that that's not okay. And that if you don't get straight A's or you don't go to college or you don't make six figures, or you're not a YouTube star, that you're not successful. And I think at the end of the day, the wisdom I want to leave to anybody listening to this that's wondering how they get a podcasting job or a management job or really any job is you're wondering to yourself, you know, how do you become successful? And so I think it's just important, the conversations we have surrounding that question because that's where wisdom lies. Wisdom lies in realizing that being successful is going to be different for each person in each stage of your life. And what makes me successful right now at 29 is going to be different than miles at 65. And so I think it's just important as we talk about always learn and always grow, we need to always question and reevaluate ourselves and not get stagnant and wake up one day and ask that, that what if question. So to, to sum that up as wisdom for the next generation, it's just always keep going, like keep improving. If you want to do something, just do it. And don't let people say you can't because the only reason you can't is if you don't try and, or if you don't want it hard enough and that's okay. You don't have to finish everything you start because maybe you're not meant to. I've started and stopped plenty of things just to find out. I thought I would like it and really it wasn't for me, but then you don't stop at that. You keep moving forward. So that's what I'd say is just success is, is when you can sit back at the end of a day and do what we're doing now. And I could probably do this for five more hours, you know, so we're successful. We like what we're doing and I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be refreshed, even though I'm going to have a little bit of sleep and I'm going to go into work and lead a company that does millions of dollars in revenue and be able to take tidbits of the conversations we had tonight and infuse them into the lives of hundreds of people. And that's what keeps me going and, and makes me feel successful doing the podcast thing is that ability to bring it back to the business of people. So that is what I would leave the next generation with. It's all about the people. Awesome. Well, thank you, Miles. I really appreciate it. Before you go, is there anything that you want to plug, whether it's Relish the Journey or some cool show that you're doing? Sure. Yeah, just in general. Um, if you guys like the crazy stuff I've been saying, you can check out the show where you can hear more of that or online at rtjmedia.com. Uh, so RTJ stands for Relish the Journey, media.com. The show you can find on social media everywhere at RTJ Podcast. And if anybody out there is looking to build a house, you can check out Ritzcraft. It's ritz-craft.com, R-I-T-Z-craft-C-R-A-F-T.com. Happy to chat with you there. And uh, make sure you keep listening to, to this podcast. I think I'm excited for what you're doing, man. And we're very similar veins, but it's, it's always neat to hear people's stories and how they landed where there are because there's always some – unconventional twist that got them there that you wouldn't know at face value. So congrats on episode number 10 and thank you. Congrats. Can't, on can't wait till you're 50, 60, whatever. Yeah. It is by the time we launch, right. Appreciate that. Yeah. Looking forward to your next 40 as well when you're doing the same thing. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. If you want to see what I had to say about being an independent educational consultant or independent college counselor, uh, you can find me over on relish the journey. Uh, I'll have links in the description so you can see everything. And sure. uh, do you have any socials? Facebook, yeah, it's Instagram? all at, yep. And it's all RTJ podcast. So I can send that to you. It's Perfect. at RTJ podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Miles. You have a great day. Yeah, thank you. You too.